Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Spooniepreneur podcast. I'm Nicole Neer, an online business manager living with fibromyalgia and bipolar disorder. On this podcast, I'm going behind the scenes in my business and talking to other Spooniepreneurs to get real about what it looks like to be an entrepreneur living with chronic illness to inspire you to start the business of your dreams, no matter what life throws your way. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Spooniepreneur podcast. I know I say this absolutely every week, but I am so excited for you to listen to this week's guest. Raquel Halinga is a life and business coach for chronically ill creatives and has been living with rheumatoid arthritis for over 20 years. She works with ambitious, creative, big-hearted, and often frustrated chronically ill people to create the life and business they desire while still taking great care of their health. She leverages her passion for coaching to change the conversation around chronic illness and to help her clients design lives and businesses that allow them to thrive. And basically, if you've thought about creating an online business or you think that might be something that you want to do, I cannot wait for you to hear this interview because we're really diving into what it looks like to be a Spooniepreneur working in the online space and some of the challenges that come with building your business. It's definitely not for the faint of heart, but As we talk about in this interview, as Spoonies, we are stubborn enough to make it happen. So let's dive right in. Okay. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Spooniepreneur Podcast. I am sitting here with one of my favorite Instagram people, Raquel. Raquel, introduce yourself. Hi, everyone. Um, I am Raquel Hellinga, and I am a life and business coach for chronically ill entrepreneurs and creatives like myself. And like you, Nicole. (laughs) I love it. And so let's start off by you just telling us a little bit about your health journey. I feel like there's always this pause for everyone that's a Spoonie that's like, where do I start this part of the story? Right. (laughs) How much time do we have? Right. Yes. (laughs) Um, So I was diagnosed with juvenile rheumatoid arthritis when I was like seven or eight. Um. I'm 30 now, so it was a long time ago. And at the time, I was a young competitive dancer. And what happened is my knees kind of inexplicably just swelled up to like the size of volleyballs. And yeah, as a kid, like I didn't understand or comprehend like what was going on. I just knew like all of a sudden I couldn't do half of the moves. And my dance teacher didn't know what was going on. And I just, I have this one really vivid memory of, well, so we were competitive. So she was like a bit of a drill sergeant, like you have to be. (laughs) Yeah. And she was like, we were doing this kneeling pose, like all the way down, like with my head down. And she was like, Raquel, get your butt on the floor. Like, why are you sticking your butt up in the air? And I couldn't, (laughs) I was like, I don't know. And I couldn't do it. And I think it was done that like, she realized something was wrong and I kind of did too. And um, ended up with a diagnosis again, as a kid, like I had no idea what was going on. Um, they put me on Vioxx, which has since been taken off the market, like in the nineties for giving people heart failure. (laughs) They were like, let's start with this one. Um, (laughs) still here figuring it out. But if anything goes wrong, you better believe I'm in a contact Vioxx and (laughs) I should pay up. (laughs) 
<laughs> right. Um, so that's kind of where it started. I was able to get on some good meds that worked well for me when I was a kid and actually able to continue being a competitive dancer well into my teens, which was awesome. And I'm also super glad that I had doctors that were smart enough to tell me to keep dancing. Right. Because I know, so like this was before biologics existed and thankfully I didn't need any of those. Like I just was able to take the standard old stuff and it worked for me. Um, But you know, that wasn't the advice for a lot of young people with JRA. It wasn't like go and work out. It was like, stop what you're doing. You're going to hurt yourself. And Mm -hmm. Honestly, dance probably saved most of my mobility even into my adulthood, which that I have like a whole other trajectory with dance. I'm still dancing. Thankfully, I I love it. Yeah, I I'm teaching adult classes, which is some kind of rheumatoid arthritis miracle. Thank you Actemra <laughs> for saving my life. Uh that is not a sponsored shout out. I wish they would sponsor me though. Um so Yeah, dance was really the thing that got me through a lot of that and kept me focused on being healthy and strong. And even when I was flaring and in a bad spot, like I was still competing, I was still dancing. And that kept a sense of normalcy for me as a kid. Mm -hmm. I was in pretty much remission from like age 13 to age 18, which is an important span of time. I was pretty much like, I'm not sick. You know, because my experience was like, oh, that thing just happened when I was a kid. And a lot of people grow out of the juvenile arthritis. They just don't have it as an adult. Wasn't so lucky. Um, When I was about 19, I went off to college and was actually intending on studying dance where I went to school and had this moment of like reckoning, knowing what my body had been through. I just knew it wasn't going to be something I was going to be able to do for a long time and had to make the really hard choice to do something else. And kind of ironically, a few months after that, I had my first flare, like as an adult, essentially, and it was the worst one of my life. I still, knock on wood, was still the worst one. Um, I My hand swelled up really big. I couldn't drive. I couldn't open doors. And all the while was like my whole life I've been a super high achiever, which I'm sure you can relate to there. Yes. There are so many Spoonies that are super high achievers and it's really an interesting dynamic because when I was like 19, like I was going hard on all of my goals. And then this flare happens that essentially disabled me at the time. And mentally I was like, everything's fine. Have you seen that meme where it's like a cartoon and the house is burning around him and he's like, everything's fine. Everything's fine. Yep. This is fine. Yeah. That was me (laughs) (laughs) at 19 in college with these giant hands. Um, Everything was fine. And I just kind of pushed through it. I spent years trying to get on medication that worked and failed a bunch of them. I was inconvenienced, but the mental identity part of that, like if you had asked me if I was chronically ill, then I probably would have said no, Mm. which is so complicated. And honestly, up until a couple years ago, I might not have used those words to describe myself. And I think that that's really common in this space of Mm -hmm. Spoonies, like 
there's a certain kind of understanding that needs to happen and a certain kind of admittance that we have something that is going to continue to affect our life experience forever. Yes. Um, which is really, can I say bad words on here? Yes, you can. It's really shitty to admit. Yes, it is. <laughs> I just wanted to check. Um, yeah. It's really shitty to do that work, but a big, big part of my coaching is when we're able to really admit that we have limitations, accept that as part of our, an appropriate part of our identity, not our whole identity. Um, right. When we're able to integrate that, even though it sucks and there's a lot of grief that needs to go on around that, once we do that, we're left with all of this freed up energy that we were using to fight the truth. It's and so it's, we have, it's like we have this big awakening, a lot of us, where we're like, okay, this is me and I need to admit that this is a thing. I'm not fine. I'm not just like everybody else and I need to stop pretending that I am. Mm-hmm. And, but then the work isn't over. It's like it continues to come up in kind of different ways and it totally it does for me too. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, I, you know, I don't, the only reason I know all of this is because I'm living it every day. <laughs> right. right? <laughs> um, and so like for me, I'll still get into this place of like signing myself up to do all of these things that may or may not be too much depending on right. the day. Right. Because right. I'm still that high achiever. And then I do that and I'm like, why do I feel terrible? Like I forget my meds. Or I'm like late on something. And then I'm like, why do I feel like crap? And then I'm annoyed that I feel like crap. Then I'm making myself wrong for not feeling good. And then it's just, you know, the nodding. Yeah, I'm totally nodding right now because everything you just said is like every Spoonie that I know. And yep. (laughs) Yep. And it's like that continual admitting that it's okay, that we're not okay all of the time. Yeah. And also just... Like, so here's something that happens to me a lot and clients a lot too, is that we have like a flare or we have a bad day or a bad week, bad month for our health. And we get into this place of like making it mean something Mm, like I'm having a bad day. So let me mentally spiral (laughs) into this whole thing where I'm like, this means I can't run a business. This means I shouldn't do things. Why do I even try? Like, I'm just giving you this dialogue that happens to me. (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) Instead of just letting it be an off day, you know, it's okay. So you're a coach, right? But you are a unique coach because you coach chronically ill creatives. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. I only work with people who there's not a litmus test to see how sick you are. So don't worry about that. (laughs) I just take you at your word. Um, People who have some kind of health challenge that's ongoing and they're either trying to, like, there's kind of three prongs of things I end up working with people on. Just the part of having a chronic illness and like dealing with your day-to-day life. Mm -hmm. For people that are newly diagnosed, I feel like that's a really valuable thing. And we're all still learning. Like every day, there's always a learning curve. And then people who have like a lot of creative interests, sometimes those are creative businesses. Like I work with a lot of Etsy sellers and people who do unique stuff like that. Um, So if they have creative interests they're trying to do, or they have multiple passions Mm -hmm. and limited energy, like that's a unique problem that I help solve. (laughs) Oh yeah. We're all multi-passionate. Like show me a Spoonie who 
is not interested in 15 things because I haven't met one who's like, I only like this thing. That's it. Yeah. And we talk about this on another podcast episode that's coming up, but yes. And we're all multi-passionate. We're all type A personalities. And it's like, <laughs> which comes first, the chicken or the egg? Like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> because it's it's so hard because we're all just so stubborn yeah. that we want to believe that we can do all of the things even when our bodies are wanting to do none of the things, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like I still have so we all definitely have limitations of like stuff that we can't or really should not do maybe ever. Mm-hmm. And that's different for everybody. But most of us operate on more of like a sliding scale. Of mm-hmm. like sometimes, so like for me, I've been in a good spot health-wise for a couple of years now. Mm-hmm. And that in and of itself is kind of a process of being like, I, the chronic illness identity is still real for mm-hmm. me. And it's also okay to not, to feel good and to let that be okay. Oh, yes. Like that's been such a learning curve too. Like I feel sometimes, and like, this is pretty vulnerable, but I carry around this thing of like, am I a fraud because I'm not sick all the time now and I'm helping people who are sick? Like, no. And then there's also that guilt that comes with, you know, you feel good. And do I talk about how I'm feeling good when I know so many of my spoonie friends are not? Yeah. Yeah. I, um, and that's definitely something I struggle with. Like, I don't always know when to talk about stuff. Like, I definitely don't want to be alienating because I know how terrible that feels. And, you know, we all live on this constant cusp of shit could go to hell and I could lose everything. Yep. We all live with that. On And maybe shit is going to hell and you're losing everything right now. But, like, mm-hmm. we live on this cusp of, Like we just live with this information that like at any point I could lose everything. And I think in the right mindset, that can be the right kind of motivating. Mm -hmm. It can be terrible, right? Like I'm not here to toxic positivity, (laughs) like it makes this way shinier than it is. Like it sucks. But at the same time, like we are constantly faced with, you know, we don't take our health for granted. We can't. Mm -hmm. And some of us are dealing potentially with our own mortality on that Mm -hmm. line of this could just kill me or Mm -hmm. these medications that I'm on that nobody knows what they're going to do to my body in 30 years. You just roll those dice because what else are we going to (laughs) do? Right? Yeah. Um, I feel like I'm going on 17 tangents, but that's kind of my style. So no. And I guess my question to you, you know, both in your business and the people that you coach who have businesses, how do you set up a business that is working around those flares or working around all of the challenges that come up with being an entrepreneur with chronic illness? So there's so many answers to that question. I'll give you some of my favorites. (laughs) Um, It really, so it depends on the person and what kind of a business they want to build. Mm -hmm. The biggest thing that I find that holds us back as Spoonies is we, as high achieving Spoonies particularly, Mm -hmm. we have a very specific idea of how success needs to look and not just how it needs to look, but the process to getting there. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and I think a lot of like a lot of that's just been ingrained from like how our society teaches us professionalism looks, mm-hmm. which in the online space like is really flexible, and like right. the culture is really different out here. Thankfully, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Um, you know, we think well, I have to do everything like everybody else says that I should. So like if I'm not doing something every day perfectly for four hours, I shouldn't do it. Um, it's vulnerable to put out B plus work and, but it's kind of required. I'm not saying that we shouldn't do our best, right? right? But consistency is so much more important than everything being great all the time. Done is better than perfect every yes. day of the week. <laughs> yes. And so often, you know, because we're dealing with type A personalities who are super creative and super smart and high achievers, what we think is B plus work is no different to anybody else. <laughs> it's, it's literally no different. And I think sometimes when we release the pressure a little bit, we can do better work. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of it, I think, is our expectations about how we need to get there and what it needs to look like once we do. And a lot of it's perfectionism. Mm -hmm. Like, so a lot of us, like if you, so I don't really have the experience of being diagnosed in adulthood, Mm -hmm. but a a lot of people I know, like that's the case. Mm -hmm. So we have this experience already of being high achievers of, you know, making all this money, working this awesome corporate job, like doing 17 activities. Like we -hmm. just forget that we were miserable during that. Like we just (laughs) packaged that up. Don't worry about that part. Um, (laughs) We loved it. Yeah. (laughs) It was the best time ever. And so we have this experience of what it can be like for us. And then everything we try to do now, we apply that lens to it and apply that set of expectations to it, which is a recipe for disaster. Yes. And a, a lot of what I see is I should be able to fill in the blank. Yes. I should be able to, you know, at one point I was able to do all of this in four hours. Uh, I used to be able to do X, Y, Z. I should be able to handle this. And that's just setting us up for burning out, not meeting our own expectations. These aren't anybody else's expectations. Usually they're all us. And, and, and really just like beating the crap out of ourselves internally. Mm -hmm. It. It is hard to, it's like putting us, what's the saying? Square peg in a round hole. I almost said it wrong. Yeah. (laughs) It's like putting a square peg in a round hole. So we take this old version of us and then we just put all those expectations on us now. And it's just, it's not going to work. But Mm -hmm. the good news is that changing the expectations and changing how you approach working with yourself and like setting yourself up to complete things, we can change that. And Mm -hmm. when you do you free up all of that energy that was being used to like kick your own ass. Yes. Yeah. So true. (laughs) Like it's really this kind of counterintuitive thing that, so almost all of us struggle with energy, like regardless of what condition you have, you just aren't dealing with all the energy that everybody else, not everybody else, but I don't know, these people who don't have chronic conditions have. (laughs) Right. These magical pixies <laughs> who don't hurt every day. Um, <laughs> like, oh, I lost my train of thought. It's 
spoony life, right? Right. It's like some, sometimes I'll be like trying to write an email or something. I'll be like, I don't even remember what I was like trying to do. It's just the words are just gone from my head. Right. (laughs) I feel like my whole life is like going to the kitchen for something and then not having any idea what it was. It's so true. <laughs> like I go to my email or like open a browser and I'm like, what was I here for? What's, what's happening right now? So have you always been self-employed or was there a time before you were self-employed and what did that look like? Yeah, no, I have not always been self-employed. Um, I So when I got out of school, I did like a four plus one master's program in communication mm-hmm. and I remember getting ready to graduate and crying over just like having a total meltdown over the idea of having to work an eight to five job. Mm, yeah. At that point, I wasn't even self-aware when it comes to like the chronic illness impact. And like, that was kind of why I hated that whole thing. But mm-hmm. also just as a creative person, how regimented that life is, like it makes my head want to explode. I don't yeah. know how people do it. Kudos to them. I'm glad that we have some people that could just do normal jobs because (laughs) the society needs those people. Um, So I got an eight to five job because obviously that's what you're supposed to do. You get the good, good education, good grades, get the extra degree, like go get a great job. So I got a job that was so shiny on paper, first thing out of grad school and literally lasted 90 days. Yeah, no. It's so funny now, but it was the end of the world then. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and um, I lasted literally like 90 days. And then my college was like, hey, you can be an adjunct professor. And I was like, okay. Um, yeah. So I went back and did that, which is slightly more entrepreneurial. Mm-hmm. Like when you're a part-time instructor, it's like you're getting contracts to teach. You're mostly your own boss. You can be creative with a group of people. And communication had enough like self-development stuff in it that I could kind of weave that in there right because that's what I that's just who I am yeah um so I did that part-time and then I ended up getting another eight to five job and I stayed there for about three years I think the reason I was able to handle the structure is because it was really laid back like Mm -hmm everything we were doing was remote. Like people were late all the time. It was yoga pants every day. (laughs) So it worked okay. Right. It worked all right. And, but I'm just that kind of person, like every job I've had, all I can think about is like, I could easily take my skills and talent and make so much more money with so much less energy doing something that I like and not have to deal with everyone's BS. Right. That's all I think about. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure you can relate. That's knowing laughter right there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um, So that went okay. And I liked it all right. It was nice to have like a group of people and some camaraderie. But Mm -hmm. I just, I wasn't satisfied. I had always kind of had this entrepreneurial tilt my whole life. Like I did all the MLMs. Like (laughs) I did. I, I went through that for a while and was successful and then would just get bored with like what I was doing. I'm like, I just don't care that much about lipstick guys. Like it's not, (laughs) it's just, but like, yeah. Yeah. Where's the meaning in this? Yeah. I need to make a difference because I'm a millennial. So obviously everything I do has to be about changing the world. (laughs) (laughs) We are special 
special snowflakes, you know. We are. We are so special. <laughs> Girl, don't get me started on the snowflake term. There's a whole other episode. It is. Totally. <laughs> we could talk about that. Um, I'll keep my mouth closed for now. But <laughs> um, so I did that job for a while while still teaching part-time. Wow. Like, we don't have a problem, right? Everything's right. fine. Everything's, Everything's fine. great. Yeah. And eventually quit that job and was like an adjunctpreneur where mm-hmm. I picked up enough part-time gigs that I could just do that. So I really was kind of already on the way to working for myself. Mm-hmm. The adjuncting was kind of like a comfort bridge for me mm-hmm. to kind of take those next steps. And of course, I ended up overdoing that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's just, that's what we do. Um, and I, for a number of years, I was an adjunct for seven years and mm-hmm. I still do teach, um, mostly online, but just a couple classes here and there. Cause I enjoy it and I like doing it. Um, yeah. and multiple streams of income, right? Right. <laughs> yes. Sure. All about that life. And so I went through multiple years where I was, teaching like seven, eight, nine classes a semester. Wow. Yeah. Just saying <laughs> that, like the physical reaction, it hurts. Wow. Um, part of it was financially motivated. Adjuncts don't mm-hmm. get paid that much. Right. And putting it all together like that is just, you. a lot of people end up doing that. Well, I would sign up for all of these classes and then burn out so hard and have a flare and have a physical reaction to everything I was mm-hmm. doing. Take the summer off to deal with my burnout and flare. And then I would go back and do it again. <sighs> Just like talking about <laughs> this is so hard. Um, it was miserable. And a lot of it I was just doing to myself of just trying to overachieve and really on a deeper level, what I was trying to do is outrun what was happening with my health. Yes. Mm-hmm. If I can just, you know, instead of like admitting there's a problem and easing into that, it was like, no, like, fuck that. Yeah. <laughs> what we're going to do is we're going to teach all the classes. We're going to teach more than anybody we know, and we're going to do it awesome. And yeah, I was fighting with myself about what was happening and about what I needed and about the transition that was just inevitably going to happen. And after years of doing that, I hit this burnout a couple years ago that was so bad. Like Mm -hmm. I ended up with like four types of bronchitis, like missed so much class. Um, And then I flared. It was terrible. And I, it was so bad that it was like my rock bottom. And I was like, I can't, I physically can't do this again. Mm -hmm. And I had to make some changes. And so (laughs) this is like my spoony people who are stubborn, right? Like you're going to laugh at this next part. So I was like, okay, I can't do this anymore. I can't teach anymore. Like this is too much. I'm killing Mm -hmm. myself over all this. So I went and applied for eight to five jobs. (laughs) Right? That's what I did. It's so true though. I know. I was like, this this is how we're going to fix this. so true. I don't know how I'm still here sometimes, honestly, <laughs> this decision-making <laughs> track. Um, so if any of you are like, why do I keep doing this to myself? Like, you have a friend in me. Like, I know, oh, I know I, your life. <laughs> I mean, totally. I've been in that place where I was so burnt out. It was like, this is awful. I'm just going to go look for a real job. Yeah. Like, that's going to fix it. Like, 
And what is a real job? What does that even mean? Never mind. I hate taking direction from anybody for any right? reason. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm just always mad at people in authority regardless. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's four people I work for. Um, but yeah, so I burnt out so bad and I, I had to make a change. So I was like, I'm going to apply to eight to five jobs. And I found this really shiny, like training executive job at a bank, which was like the perfect side, perfect in quotes, sidestep right. from what I was doing. And I got to the final round of interviews where I had to present to this executive team. First job I applied for, I was like, cool, this is great. And I was supposed to go in for that interview and I couldn't do it. I was just like, I, I know I'm going to hate this. Mm-hmm. Why am I putting a Band-Aid on this? This is going to be a disaster. And so I ended up pulling out of the, the race. <laughs> it's <not a> pulling <laughs> out of the race um, like three days before that interview. And I turned around. I had like no employment at the time. Turned around and spent money on this coaching program from Michelle Ward uh, called Discover Your Dream Business. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know anything about her. Um, I have. I've heard of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I turned around and I was like, I got to figure out what my thing is. And something that really has been motivating and helped me figure all of this out in the past couple of years is that I knew that the truth was that I have to make this work. Mm-hmm. There's no other option. Not that I couldn't like do a different business, but I know that like, if I'm going to have enough money to deal with my healthcare costs, maybe stop working someday, deal with all these student loans and do something that's going to work for my health long-term, I have to be self-employed and I have to make it work. Yes. Which was terrifying (laughs) at the time, but it's awesome in a way because it's like, you know, people like us, like we don't have the luxury to like flounder on what it is we want to do. It's true. Sometimes this is our only option, which Mm -hmm. is great for like keeping going when it sucks and when there's crickets and nobody is hiring you or listening to you, which like, (laughs) yeah, which happens a lot in the online space. Like let's get real. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta have something that means enough to you to make it through those like first couple years of just doing stuff when like nobody understands what you're doing, which will be forever. I think like, no, everyone thinks I have this made up internet job. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Do you feel like that's true for you? No, it's it's just like, you know, you try to explain at, you know, the family party, what is it that you do? (laughs) Thanksgiving. Yeah. Finally, I just kind of started saying I have a digital marketing agency because then people kind of understand because virtual assistant or online business manager is like gobbledygook. So. Yeah, yeah. I um, I'm like, I just say I'm a business coach. Like, we go. just don't get into the <laughs> like trying to explain life coaching for chronically ill people. People are like, what? Huh? What, what do you do? Yeah. Are there that many of you out there? Yeah. One of the awesome like internal lessons I've learned is like the willingness to be misunderstood. Yes. Fucking life changing. Right. If you can become willing to not have people understand you and like, let that be okay. Mm -hmm. This is like free up so much time of trying to explain to people and like get them to understand that like you're legitimate. Like why do they, they may not even never understand. And that's fine. They don't need to. (laughs) They They really don't. They don't. Um, I don't remember where we're going. Oh, um, discover your dream business. So I turned around and signed up for that instead of finishing this job that probably would have worked out. And that's where my business was born. 
And Love it. Yeah. As a multi-passionate person, I never thought I would niche down the way that I did. Uh-huh. Just so funny to me that I have such a niche down business, but um, I pretty much like I knew coaching for a long time was the thing that I wanted to be doing, mm-hmm. but I wasn't like confident, mature enough. I just had a lot of other learning I needed to do before I was ready to be like, screw it. Let's give it a go. Right. And figuring out like my particular brand of that was perfect because at that time I was leaving these jobs that were making me so burned out and I needed to start a business and I needed me at that time. Mm -hmm. I needed somebody who was chronically ill, who understood what it's like to burn out, who had enough like business understanding to help me make it. And so I was like, well, if I need it, I'm sure other people do. So I just figured it out. And here we are. I love it. Yeah. That here we are part. There's like a lot of crap in between there. Right. <laughs> it's not just like, boop, like right. income producing business. Like it's, yeah, it's been yeah. easy and a street fight. <laughs> yes. And, and it's kind of one of those things where there's this, I guess, misconception of like there being overnight success. And it's like, it ha- it feels like when you hit a point where your business is viable, like it seems like it happens all of a sudden, but it really didn't. <laughs> exactly. Really like, didn't. I, I'm curious if your journey has been like this, but for me, it's been a lot of seasons of like doing a lot without seeing a lot of results. And then it's like, all of a sudden something shifts and mm-hmm. it's like four clients in a month, like, and something will just change. And mm-hmm. every time that that happens, like my trust in myself increases Mm-hmm. That's true. Because it's like, oh, I when I hit that part of like, I'm doing this new thing, I feel super unsure. I don't know how things are going to work out or if I'm going to get more clients or enough clients to make this work. Um, I can be like, oh, I've been here before. And it worked out. And I was so grateful that I stuck with it. Mm-hmm. But it's like, there's that little part at the very beginning where you have to get through that first hump of, I don't know that I can trust myself. I don't know if this is going to work and fight those voices. But as soon as you see some results, it's like, oh, I should keep going. You know? Yes. (laughs) But I also think that like, this is where Spoonies kind of have a leg up on everybody else. Yep. Because we're so used to just being determined and so used to just being stubborn anyway, that it, it actually becomes a real strength in our businesses for sure. A hundred percent. I could not agree with that more. And so like something I say is like, okay, so tell me about a time when you had to deal with an insurance issue. (laughs) Tell me about a time when you had to call eight fucking people who all told you to call the other person. They all were telling you your meds were going to cost you $9,000. Nobody understands what you're talking about. You get transferred, you get hung up on. And like, we have to deal with that stuff. Mm -hmm, We don't have another choice, but Mm -hmm. to like stay persistent, find a better doctor, go through all this bureaucracy and crap. And every time we figure it out and it's like, do you know how many people like don't really have to ever be that determined about anything? It's so true. Like if you apply an ounce of that to getting clients, you're going to be fine. (laughs) Right. And, and And it's so true. And then I look at entrepreneurs I know who don't have chronic health challenges. And that's like one of their biggest hurdles that they have to cross is just being that determined and being that stubborn. It's like, Oh, I've, I've got that, that skill. I know. 
like there's a certain like dogged ruthlessness that yes. you have to have to like manage your own health conditions that like doctors mm-hmm. even don't even know what's going on half the time and they're right. assholes and tell me to lose 50 pounds when I have True. back pain. I'm like, True. <laughs> whole other episode on that one. Right. Girl, I could rant. <laughs> <laughs> I could rant. So if somebody has chronic illness, they're thinking about starting a creative business, what would you tell them step one is? Hmm. I want to say, give me a call. Hire a coach, right? <laughs> Hire me. Um, <laughs> never, but seriously, that'd be a good yeah. place to start. Um, okay. So this is like a two part step one. Cause I can't ever just say one thing. Um, <laughs> the first is you need to be real with yourself about how you need to approach this energetically so that it can be sustainable. Mm, so true. From the beginning, you've got to be really real with yourself about what sustainability is going to look like for you and what consistency is going to look like for you. And it's not that you'll know, like you just don't know until you're trying it and there's going to be trial and error and adjustments. But I think there needs to be like this promise that you make to yourself that like, we're going to keep this sustainable and we're going to adjust what needs to adjust as we go. And one thing I talk about a lot is like consistency is super important in the online space. And mm-hmm. consistency is an issue for a lot of spoonies because we mm-hmm. cannot always be consistent because our health isn't consistent. It's true. But we can pre-plan a lot and yep. just let stuff run on auto. I know you know all about this. <laughs> I know oh, this yeah. is your realm. Uh, we can pre-plan and also consistency doesn't mean that the pace of that consistency has to be every day. Mm-hmm or has to be super fast. Like if your consistency is twice a week on something, that's better. It's better for you for a year to do something twice a week, every single week than it is for you to do something for 12 days and then go offline for three months. Right. And then just stop. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so be real with yourself about like what sustainability is going to take for you and keep sustainability top of mind. Because if we lose that sustainability, there's really no point in doing this. Um, the other thing I would say, so this was a big turning point for me was what I call like picking something juicy Mm -hmm. to be your business. I think that for so many of us and the people I work with, like, sure, there's these like surface level businesses that we could do, or we have Mm -hmm. done. That's something that maybe reflects the skill set that like people have reflected back to us that we Mm -hmm. have. And it's, easy to understand and it's shiny on the outside and it's professional. Um, Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of times as creative people, we might start with something kind of surface level Mm -hmm. and then get kind of bored with that. I think that it's important to pick something that really matters to you. Like really authentically matters to you because when stuff is hard, which not that we're going to make it harder than it needs to be, but like sometimes there's going to be those periods of time There's got to be something intrinsic in you that's going to keep you going. Yep. And for me, choosing something that really was meaningful to me and I knew would really make a difference, like an authentic difference in people's lives, that keeps me going. And so I think you need to be honest with yourself, like pick something that's slightly scary because if you pick something that's too easy, like if you're anything like me, you're just going to get bored. You're not going to want to do it. And when the going gets tough, you're just going to throw it out because you're like, well, this is dumb. I don't even care that much about X. Um, Mm -hmm. Usually when we pick something meaningful, it also requires us to be vulnerable, honest with ourselves, (laughs) you know, all of those things. 
Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I think those will be the two things like put sustainability at the top and choose something juicy. There's a third thing. Uh, there's three step ones. <laughs> Go for it. I'm going for it. Um, what I don't want you to do is spend three years thinking about thinking about sustainability and researching all of the potential things that you could possibly be. Y'all, I spent five whole years knowing that I wanted to be an online entrepreneur and knowing secretly I wanted to be a coach, just stalking other people. Five years. I didn't yep. do anything with it. Yep. Don't be like me. <laughs> Yeah. No, I, I spent, I spent like a year thinking, Oh, that virtual assistant thing looks really cool. That's neat. I mean, <laughs> let me just year. pin all these articles for the next three years. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> I need to learn enough. <laughs> like I need to learn. I need to get a PhD and being a VA before I right. do anything. Um, we only do that because we're scared. And also because society tells us that we have to learn the things before we do the things, which is so not the case in the entrepreneurial space. It's totally backwards. Um, So step three is like, if you don't know what your juicy thing is, like start selling, start doing something. Yes. Um, Do the thing now and figure it out. Like when I started, I, when I finally started, right. (laughs) When I finally started and figured out what my niche was going to be, I, my first client that I ever got, I went to like this LGBT mixer. It's like a monthly thing in my town that we do and, um, met this new guy, met this person. And we got to talking about Stephanie was like, Oh, I have this chronic thing. And I was like, that's so funny. You say that I just went for it and owned it. I was like, I'm a life coach for chronically ill people. And he became my first client. I had no clients. I had no website. I had no intake form. I had no clue what I was doing. (laughs) (laughs) he knows that now like he knows that I never I but it's not like I wasn't being misleading I wasn't being a fraud I was owning like what I was doing and because I got the client first and I did that before I had any idea what any of the rest was going to look like I learned so much faster got my business off the ground so much faster and dealt with my fear and imposter syndrome so much faster because I just you have to actually do the thing no, you don't need a website. No, you don't need Facebook ads. You don't even need an intake form. You don't need to know. You don't need a fucking diva light. You don't need any of this. <laughs> it's, it's just nice. got a Yeti. It'll like I put on a lot of podcasts. <laughs> right? Yeah. Do the thing first, sell and make some money first, then figure out the rest of the stuff as you go. So many of us get caught up in all the other stuff we don't need. It's so true. Yeah. So what have I not asked you that I should have? I, I guess I could just come back to this idea of like, you have to just start. Like I heard that for five years, just get started, mm-hmm. just do the right. thing. And I was like, well, I'm just going to pin more articles at three in the morning and hate right. my job. Yeah. yeah. You know. <laughs> that seems better. Um, like you just have to start and all these reasons that your brain is giving you about like why you can't, like I'm a few years into a legitimately successful and profitable business. Y'all, I'm in my bedroom right now. Like Like we have all these ideas about like what a real coach or business owner looks like. And it's all crap. Like a business owner is somebody who's making sales. Like that's that's it. Yeah. Some of the time, like it yeah. doesn't even have to be consistent. Nope. Um, 
like my office is my bedroom and it's super tiny. Uh, my partner runs a doggy daycare out of our home. Mm-hmm. So like, I never have quiet. Like you just figure it out. If you want to do something, like you have to just start and people don't need to understand you. You don't need to have anyone's vote of confidence. And I'm, it definitely helps, right. To have supportive right. people in yeah. your corner. Um, but here's the thing. When things work out, all of a sudden people become supportive. So it's so true. And it's the best, like, burn. <laughs> like, I gotta be honest. When people are like, oh, you're gonna start another business, huh? Your internet business. And then it's like, how's your job? <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. I'm not saying you should start a business to like burn your friends, your friends. Right. <laughs> right? <laughs> but um, if you really believe in what you're doing and you're committed to sticking it out no matter what. Mm-hmm. you will get results eventually. You will. It's and not also, that hard. <laughs> well, and I also think it's important that like those first days and weeks when you're, you know, feeling like you're speaking to silence, like you still have a business. You're still a business owner. You're still exactly. doing things mm-hmm. to grow your business, even though it feels like nobody is listening and you're making no money. It's still a business. Yes. You, it's still a business. And like, that's what it takes. Yeah. You know, we have to be content producers and we have to be, you know, doing this stuff just to get our names out there. Like that's how it works now. Mm -hmm. And, um, like go to a mixer and tell people what you are before you put anything on the internet. Like I dare you to do that because it's how my (laughs) business started. Yeah. (laughs) Just go do it. Like what's the worst that could happen? I guarantee you that if you do that and you're feeling unsure and you sign somebody, you will figure it out. You do. (laughs) You and just you figure out what you like and what you don't like. Exactly. Yeah. So much faster. Like all of this, like researching and seeing, like, it's just so much of the time we need to just do stuff. And like that type of resistance where we're like, uh, like, well, I just need to plan or research, like comes up in insidious ways kind of continually for me and some of my clients, yeah. like it's, it'll just be like, well, you know, I shouldn't pitch to this podcast. Cause I don't know, you know, like maybe right. I need to do a course on how to pitch a podcast. Like just send them an email. Like, right. You'll learn as you go. Yeah. <laughs> you definitely right. will. Yeah. I love what you had to say about like in those beginning months, like when you're just hearing crickets and you're just at the beginning, that's why I think you have to pick something that matters mm-hmm. to you. Um, cause it's so much easier. Oh, well, something else I'll say too, is that so for me, this was 100% true. When we're multi-passionate, multi-talented, and trying to figure out what our business should be, so often we gloss over our genius and mm. write it off as something that's like, well, doesn't everybody do that? Like, that's so easy for me. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the stuff, guys. Like, <laughs> We think it has to be hard, but yes! it can be easy. It can be so easy. And if it's easy for you, you need to get out of your, your head out of your ass, right? right? And like, look around, like the things that you are, that are so easy for you and you're naturally good at, like not everybody has that skill mm-hmm. and people will pay you good money for that skill. That's not even hard for you because it's what you're just naturally good at. So don't write off the stuff that's like, oh, well, like, so if you want to be a coach and you're already that person that's like helping your friends, right? And helping mm-hmm. them see stuff that they might not have seen and like encouraging people, you're all like you have a special skill and it's probably 
so obvious that it seems silly to you. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say like that everybody has a thing, you know, like this isn't right. all that I do. Like I love being a coach and I love working on people's businesses. I love interacting with people who have chronic illnesses because we get each other and like there's teeth, there's enough teeth in that for me to have that be like my main thing that I do, but mm-hmm. I still dance and I teach dance. I love to sing and I play the piano still. Um, mm-hmm. Like I love to cook. I do, I do improv. Like I do right. all, these, all these other things that I still love. And like, also don't put so much pressure on yourself for like choosing something that, that it has to be you. Like it's a separate thing from you. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes I can get kind of lost in this personal brand space. Yeah. Because we're like, well, my brand is me. And like, while that's true, it's not the only thing that describes you. It's a business yeah. it's at so the true. end of the day. Yeah. yeah. That, that one's still taking me a while and still is. Yeah. It's all part of the process. I feel like we could talk for another hour. <laughs> yeah. I have... I have no idea. Yeah, we could. <laughs> but I feel like this is probably a great place to like stop probably. for now. And then yeah. like, definitely you're going to have to come back because there's Yay. so much to unpack. <laughs> Yay. Yeah, that would be awesome. I would love to talk again on and off the podcast. So <laughs> yes. So where can people find you on the internet? So um, it's my name.com, not my M-Y-N-A-M-E. <laughs> my <laughs> name is a little bit of a doozy. Um, so will you put it in the show notes? You put my, okay, cool. So go to the show notes if you don't feel like listening to this, but it's RaquelHollinga.com is Mm -hmm. my uh, coaching site. And then on Facebook and Instagram, my, my pages are all at Raquel Chronic Illness Coach, Mm -hmm. all one word. And I have a Facebook group uh, called Chronically Ill Entrepreneurs and Creatives. So you can find me in there. I put out some special content and lives to those people and we all get each other. It's just a really supportive place. And People are doing amazing things. They really are. For sure. I can't believe I get to do this. Like, right? That I decided this was going to be a thing. And it's just, I learn so much. And like, I get so filled up by the conversations and the coaching calls I have. Like, it's awesome. And it's possible. Like, I feel like in this moment, I want to talk to me five years ago. Like, mm-hmm. this is not for other people, it's for you. And like, yes. none of us know what we're doing. <laughs> Right. Literally none of us. Like, I don't care who you are. Marie Forleo doesn't know what she's doing. Still. No, she's she she's still it. saying everything is figureoutable and she's still having to figure it out. Exactly. <laughs> that was a perfect segue to that. I absolutely love that. Like, I just think I went through this long time of like, that's cool, but like that's for that's for other people mm-hmm. who like are more confident or more whatever, fill right. in the blank. Like it's totally possible, it's totally doable. Like having an internet business is not what it was in 1994, where it's Mm -hmm. like a risk-free way to make a thousand dollars from home. (laughs) This is not that. And I know a lot of people still think that it is. Mm -hmm. Um, It's possible. You can do it. Call me and then hire Nicole and you're good. (laughs) Shameless plug. (laughs) Shameless plug. Shameless plug. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. This was an amazing conversation. Absolutely. Thank you so much for listening to the Spooniepreneur podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, recommend, rate, and review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
To find show notes and to get connected to our community of Spooniepreneurs, go to www.theresilientba.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.